Yeah. Well, one eye Statler driving down the road doesn't sound like a fun thing for anybody. Dude, I fucking Roman's one eyed Statler. <laughs> the vast get to the side, you bastards. <laughs> I'm scooting along here. Oh. Welcome into the Comic Space Presents a Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, episode 302. It's a comic book podcast brought to you from the Comics Place in Bellingham, Washington, the cradle of nerd culture. We are three people who run a comic shop who like to do the gritty dance as often as we can, not just because I'm wearing a Justin Jefferson jersey, but because Django is a huge TikTok aficionado. <laughs> Huge. Uh, where every week we get a whole bunch of comics, bring them home, read them, come back, and engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comics that we read, the comic shop that we own, or the comings and goings of our lives. This week, not a ton of comics, but I am still Jeff. I am now Django. And you're sick. I am. You sound like I, shit. You <laughs> sound like piss. Yeah. You are what you fuck. <laughs> and I am the once and future Roman. Oh, who sometimes sounds like shit and sometimes sounds like piss. A little Arthurian reference there. That's classic Roman. The shit and piss stuff is Arthurian. No, yeah, it is. We've already. Oh my god, it's been two minutes and we've shit. shit Whosoever pulls this plunger out of the toilet shall rule England. Oh man, Uh, this is episode three hundred and two, and we're gonna kick this thing off with a nice email from one of our favorite people in the entire world, Will Elmer, and then we've got a little email surprise as well. Ooh, hello and happy episode three hundred or three hundred and two. It's obviously. Are in two, 300 was two weeks ago. Jesus. Will I'm Catch sitting up. in the Keep up. airport right now, traveling from vacation, <clears throat> getting ready to spend more some more time reading, which I have been able to do a lot on this trip. I finished Criminal Deluxe Edition Volume Two, halfway through Volume One of Hickman's Fantastic Four Omnibus, and I am reading a non-picture novel, A Once Crowded Sky, by a young upcoming writer by the name of Tom King. This, of course, <laughs> has left me wondering. What are some of your favorite non-graphic novels, regular-ass books, that you have read that are written by high-profile comic book writers? Ooh, here's to 300 more. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Will. That's a great question. I don't know if I've read any. Yeah, by by high-profile comic writers? Or any comic writer. How about? Let's I mean, I've, I've read some short stories by Joe Hill. Owl and Mole. Never read an Alan Moore short. Roman. Well, so you didn't listen to the podcast last week, Django. I did. Well, did you? Oh, did you Roman's question uh, where all of us talked about one book oh, we'd like to make you read. Shit, I didn't know I was supposed to read those in the in the two days since I listened to the podcast. I'm really <laughs> so you sorry. So you haven't done that. Okay, wow. Hey, everybody, yeah. look and, and it, surprise! Django's a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't count anyway because the, the Alan Moore stories I was talking about—they're all uh, short, not Jerusalem. They, they are, they're short stories that appeared in comp book form. Oh, I didn't realize that. I mean, some of them are based on. Alan Moore prose stories, but most of them are. I feel like I read a prose novel by Alan Moore when I was reading the back matter for Providence or Watchmen <laughs> or Watchmen or, or yeah. from hell. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've read any, but Roman, are you going to read that Grant Morrison book, Luna or Luda? I, I am. I am. Okay. That's, um, that's just haven't gone around to it, but yeah, I haven't even Alan Moore. I think I have like, you know, Jerusalem and voice of the fire. But I still haven't read them. Oh wait, I read I read a couple of Warren Ellis books, like novels, mm-hmm. years ago. So huh. those would have to be my favorite. Okay, so since none of us can really answer this, should mine we would be it? Super Gods, the Grant Morrison. Oh, you read bio. that? Yeah, I did. Oh, nice. Okay, so since Roman and I can't answer this, uh, and we can loop Jeff in on this too if he wants. But if you wouldn't mind making <clears> it included, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So Jeff, get get in here. Okay. Um, Ooh, I'm so, cradled. Yeah, that's what we do here. <laughs> Uh, which comic author would you like to read a prose novel from Roman? Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> sure. Probably. Um, I'd like to try some Tom King or some Grant Morrison or Alan Moore. Even, uh, even somebody who you don't aren't sure if they've written a prose novel. Oh, um, me, I could read a, an Ed Brubaker novel. I'm sure. Oh, oh my oh, God. Yeah. That Good guy. Pick. We can't let him write a novel because he'll never go back to comics. <laughs> he'll TV. just write amazing novels and that'll be the yeah. end of it. Even, boy, even Peter David, I haven't read any of his 
prose work. Yeah. Have either of you read anything by Neil Stevenson? Um, I think I read he's he's oh he does the the uh, fake history stuff right. I don't think so. He's like did, a did, sci-fi author. <clears throat> yeah, didn't he do Snow Crash? And... He did Snow Crash. Yeah. He's like the favorite author of the iFanboy guys. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. not. Okay. I thought it was I thought he did historical fiction, but maybe I'm confusing him with somebody. He, he I thought might... Snow Crash was historical fiction. That's like cyberpunk. No, yeah, well, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. If it's not You're comic sick, writers, bud. I don't know. I don't know. Dink. I've read um, a lot of I've read a lot of Stephen King, but he's written comics. He was a regular writer before he's a comic book writer. I thought his question was going to be, "What's your favorite non-comic book book?" So oh. can we? Can I ask you guys that? Um, probably, probably Confederacy of Dunces. Confederacy of Dunces, but maybe yeah. sometimes a great notion, and maybe the Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, Princess Bride is excellent. That's so hard to narrow it down. Um, I really love the Fan Man by William Kotzwinkel because it's just a crazy ass book say that you last actually, name again real slow Cotswinkle. william william thanks Roman, i realized <laughs> that i'm actually like way too interested in your answer for this question for a longer conversation than you know <laughs> but i realize i've never asked you that and uh, i am oh. fascinated by the answer so i would actually would love to unpack that a little bit more later on sure unpack sure. it like a plug i'm gonna say something like uh Ooh. the oral history of snl or <laughs> of what um, SNL Saturday Night Live. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, not M. Roman. Uh, it's probably in the last several years my favorite book I've read. But this is a comic podcast. That's why we get together. We do comic stuff. So let's get into this. This was a fifth week of comics, if ever I've seen one. I had three books to pull this week, which is unheard of. Yes. Um, and none of them were DC. Is that even possible? Am I forgetting one? Was there any DC this week? Really? There's like a Lazarus Planet. And not much else. There was like DC Power. There was some. That's interesting. Um, Oh yeah, I only read one DC book. What was it? Lazarus Planet. Okay. Yeah, it it was a pretty interesting week of comics. Uh, Fifth week, if ever there were one. I had like two or three comics. I scraped together a couple more to read. So this will probably be kind of a short hangout session with all you guys, which is cool because we do have an email from our friend Judd Morris, who no longer lives in town. I realized it got buried in my email and I wasn't able to find it uh, for a while there. I'm very glad that I did. So Judd, thank you so much for that email. You can also send us emails to jeff at thecomicsplace.com. That'll get right to me, and we will answer them for our 300th episode here coming up. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. Please send us emails if you're listening. I'm doing this early in the episode. Send us some questions. We want to have some fun for that day. There were like Um, four DC books this week. Yeah, there were not many. Yeah, There were not many. And none of them were like high-profile series. I did read next week's Batman already, and I could talk about that, but I won't. (laughs) It was very good. Chip Zdarsky is a great writer. Um... But I think we should kick this week off by talking about Where Monsters Lie by uh, store favorite Kyle Starks with art by Peter Kowalski, somebody I love their art. Um, and it changes a bit from book to book, even though it's still very much his own art and no one else quite looks like him. But um, Kyle Starks, who wrote Rock Candy Mountain, Assassination, and most recently, I Hate This Place. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is called Where Monsters Lie from Dark Horse Comics, number one. Anybody want to start this thing off for us? Sure. It's basically a story of a little community that has uh, all of these horror, horror tropey characters living in this gated community. And uh, the opening's great because it's like a bunch of kids who've escaped the house and they run up this little old lady's house. And instead of helping them, she stabs them in the head and kills them all. And one of the kids escapes, which is probably going to be the main uh, thrust, the main thrust of like, like you thrust a knife of the uh, conflict here. Um, but we, this issue, we just kind of meet all of the uh, people who live there, and they're they're you know in classic Kyle Stark's form, they are wacky and pretty believable. Um, what was interesting is how little this felt like a Peter uh, Kyle Stark's book to me, oh, and really? except for the writing <clears throat> had the trappings. I would say that maybe this artist Peter Kowalski, who I like a lot, they've been doing the Blood Bloodborne comics lately. Okay. Uh, they did Sex with Joe Casey for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, was where I first encountered them, which I, a book I really like. Super different than that, yeah. Yeah, awesome. and it it just doesn't the art doesn't have the kind of cartoony feel that I associate with Kyle Stark's at all, but the writing yeah. does, so it's interesting. And the character design does, I think. Yeah. Like the, the basic design of the character. Like the dude fuckmaster who just has a little stuffed bear wrapped around his head and tattoos yeah. and no shirt. That's Kyle Stark's yeah. stamp. Stink. Fuck rubbed Tarkington. all over yeah. it. Uh, Roman, what do you think of this book? 
it scared me. Did it actually? No, no. I loved it because I, I didn't realize what it was exactly what it was going to be. Um, just a gated community full of, of slashers and serial killers that we don't know why who's funding this. And well, it's like the old couple, right? And they like to have death sacrifices for something. Like they're like, we'll take yeah. care of all of you. You can live here as long as you bring us death sacrifices. Yeah, but we don't know like why that. Yeah, if this couple's rich or what the deal is. I do love that though. How they, the old couple, brings in supplies and digs them like they're razor blade pits and that kind of stuff. Because <laughs> what are you gonna do? Get a hot contractor to do that for you? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do all of your death traps for you. But hey, puzzle puzzle master, puzzle maker, you're a puzzle man. Your death traps are all very phallic these days. What's going on? You're not even making good, like there is yeah. clearly that Kyle starts humor in it. I love yeah, and I love the different types of uh, kind of uh, slasher serial killers here. Except the one guy Saint Julian, I don't know kind of what he's based on because I think I suspect it's a movie I didn't see. I forget which one he is. What he's just he he's just the guy in the gray suit and uh, receding hairline with long hair, and he's got a scar above his eye. Mm. Everybody else, I kind of I get Isn't, who they're. Is he is he one of the people who takes care of things with Zell? Because he's not even in the. Uh... Like well, he's on in the, the first page. Posters. Yeah, he is. Oh, St. Julian right there. Okay, yeah, St. Julian. Never mind. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't so, so yeah, I think he's just one of the other killers. I just don't yeah. get the reference there. Dude, the, he does this, such ahead. great jobs with large cast of characters. Like you look at Assassination, yeah. it's all just this wonderful wide cast of very like strong personality, different characters. Like he uh he does a really wonderful job of creating unique voices for a lot of different character types in his stories. Yeah. I love the scene where they're all sitting down for a meeting and the clown says, Hey, why do I have to sit next to this guy? I hate sitting next to this guy. Yeah. And, and the lady says, I've told you a million times, Richard, there isn't a signed seating. You can sit anywhere you like. Dude, it feels like <laughs> you're in such a dumb joke. <laughs> like uh it feels like you're in like a special needs home or an old folks home or something, yeah. right? It, and it's yeah, it's like, like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Meets serial killers. But it freaks so, me out, man. Yeah, he's the fuck master. That's his whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> but the whole thing has a very interesting juxtaposition with this art, which is very straightforward art, like thin line, mm. very detailed art. Um, I'm just curious what you guys thought of the art. Have you guys encountered this guy much? Just in, I think I read one issue of Bloodborne and, and I read a, a one trade of sex, maybe. Um, oh, just more than I read because I didn't, I didn't rec I had never seen this guy's art before. I think I think the art works pretty well with the story. I, it it didn't stand out as different enough from Kyle Stark's art to yeah. to throw me off. Um, like there, it's not quite as absurd as his stuff gets, but um, mm -hmm. I I like it. And if if getting somebody else to draw it means that Kyle Starks can make more comics, I don't give a shit who he gets to draw it. It could be Jim Lee if he wants <laughs> to do it. I I really like this guy's art. I I and I think it's a really fun juxtaposition with this writing style. But it's such an absurd book that I just loved getting to know these characters, and we're only going to get to know them more and more. And I yeah, they're the one kid escapes and goes to the cops, and like. You know, the cliffhanger of this issue is spoilers in this whole episode um, that all the cops show up outside of this gated community on private land that these serial killers live in. And I do not have any idea what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And setting it up within the communities, uh, basically a family from like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre moves in and Zell, the old woman who runs the place, is upset by it because she's worried because you can't have two you know, Leatherface and the Michael Myers analog. You can't have two shapes. And I love how she refers to sh them as shapes. Can't have two shapes in the same, living in the same area. They'll tear yeah. each other apart. It's like, ooh, cool. And I also really like this character that they introduced. <clears throat> it's uh, Wyatt. Just like, I don't know if that's, I don't think it's her husband, but he's just like a groundskeeper type guy who like helps <laughs> and... The, yeah, you know, the the several pages with him are, are fantastic. So, yeah. you know, just another classic, fantastic installment in Kyle Starks's comic book repertoire. Uh, and every book has been very different than the one before it. But they're all they all have some classic uh, trappings of Kyle Starks. Like they they have this mm -hmm. wonderful dark sense of humor in them. Yeah, um, I bet that guy, that bearded groundskeeper guy, turns out to be. Even worse than Fuckmaster. Mm. Yeah. Well, we know. He, yeah. And he's some kind of killer, too. Because is he? Yeah. Because she referred or he refers to how he was something. He was some kind of cult leader or something. Okay. Some kind of like Charles Manson yeah, he does type. Say something. I've been killing people for a long time or something like that. Yeah. 
I am so glad that they Kyle Starks included a um, the fat clown guy, you yeah. know, a, a nod to Sid Haig in the Rob Zombie films. Yeah, he's got the Sid Haig. Yeah, makeup even I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess a little bit the Terrifier too, but but mainly Sid Haig. Wow, you're just saying murderer names. I don't know. I'm watching that Dahmer show right now. Oh, Ooh. that was that was good. Which is probably That's... why I don't have a lot of energy to watch Last of Us as well. Is that is Dahmer played by? Uh tater tot from um <laughs> the american horror story quicksilver I think he is from i've never seen yeah. any of that show but yeah god yeah. i love that kid yeah, yeah. evan peters yeah he's <laughs> yeah. great uh what do you give us jeff it's my highest score of the week it was a nine and oh. again real small week of books i read five books and i had to dig to find them but this was my this was my cream of the crop my highest score of the week also at an eight and a half nice nice uh, gosh i think my highest score too at a nine Nice. Well, here we are. And we're all lockstep by with a 0.5 margin of error. Um, But yeah, I liked it. I'm very excited to talk about this next book, you guys. So that was Dark Horse. We don't have, like we said, any really DC books to talk about. But let's take it over to the IDW corner and talk about Breath of Shadows. Breath of Shadows. This is written by Rich Doak with art by Alex McCormick, made famous from the books Rhoda Bones and Cia Soros. That's them. And the art of um, the Crimson Cage. Crimson Cage. <laughs> this dude's art is phenomenal. <clears throat> yes. And it there there are scenes in this that I associate with being definitively McCormack, Cormack, Cormack McCarthy. No, uh Alex McCormack of like the very shadowy dark stuff where you have to like work to find out what's going on. But then it had those panels like in Crimson Cage where um you're seeing these people in the light and i love his noses and i love his yeah. faces and he is an incredible artist i fully expect this guy to get some much more large scale work in the next couple of years yeah i i sure hope so because he's like even when his characters are kind of grotesque and appear sort of poorly formed at first glance you realize that no that's just what this person looks like his yeah. nose is just fucked. Dude, his nose does that thing where it's got a huge bridge in the middle. It's kind of yeah. a Roman Django nose versus a Jeff nose. Yeah. How do you even keep your glasses on? That's what I've always wondered. They just sit. You they're, know. Just, they're just drawn on me. I look good all the time. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this book is such a combination of things I love. It's horror, like mysticism, horror, and music business stuff, like rock mm-hmm. star stuff and drug addiction. Um, but it's a rock star and a band that's most people know, but isn't hugely famous. And he's addicted to heroin and they need to go on a tour, or do some stuff. And the band's like kind of wants to kick this front man out. Um, but his manager, who kind of takes way too much care of him, has a lead on this book that this author, Bill Tarrant, uh, wrote where he ventured into the jungle to find this uh, plant that. It's supposed to help him see truth or maybe kick this addiction or something. I think it's funny that they associate it with Kratom, which is uh, a substance I've taken in my life and uh, is not at all how they describe it in this. But, yeah, <laughs> um, there's a lot of characters in here. And I would say if, if there was one downside to this book, it's the some of the characters start looking the same to me. Yeah. Um, you know, not you, you can tell who they are, but. Uh, I agree. These people aren't famous enough for me to to recognize them at first glance, you know? No, and it's not like, oh, this is clearly the Kurt Cobain. And this is the, you know, although that final page when it shows the band, I'm like, this looks like the Rolling Stones or something. You know, there's like Brian May and, you know, Keith or not Keith, but the lead singer, the Mick Jagger. Yeah. You know, what do you guys think of this? That was well, that was the problem I had with it. Um, I like I like I really love the millipede stuff and centipede artwork and the horror stuff but then yeah the faces i was actually maybe i wasn't paying enough attention but when i got to the last page and the band shows up i was like oh shit i thought he was traveling with the band in the previous 20 pages who are these other guys (laughs) it is yeah i i love his art i would say yeah that um the next stage is going to be kind of defining characters with attributes a little bit more clearly yeah and obviously i wasn't paying enough attention because yeah one of the bands one of the band guys has a giant afro which i should have realized none of these other guys have giant afros. yeah it looks like justin melville johnson sure does a producer for a bunch of beck records and a bass player who tours with nine inch nails and other bands nice. um, oh. i love the millipede stuff yeah i really like that kind of horrific 
display of addiction you know like it seems like he's having these horrible withdrawals and if i'm not misinterpreting there being like a dark mysticism thing with it it just seems like the withdrawals and the desire for heroin is being manifested with all of these gross millipede things Django did you see me. the variant cover no i don't know if we got it because I, w- I wasn't there for check-in but we it's, it's near the end it's like his skin is sort of translucent and you can see all the millipedes under it that's so gross dude it's, it's amazing yeah really really good um yeah man i you know i'll read anything this guy does and he does some really low tier well, not low tier but just like really under the radar stuff what was that one that he did shoot right it's like like he did sync also yeah but shoot was the one about the the app where you sign up to try to kill somebody bang Bang? yeah yeah dude like i don't even remember who published that maybe maybe it was published by sync no it was like Like a blaze or or it was it was some weird small thing some tiny thing and it just something really it's a company that's not on foc yeah yeah um yeah it's like source point or something like that but yeah uh but yeah, the point being, he, him, his name causes me to read books I would never read. Like, I probably yeah. wouldn't have read this. I was very excited when the solicitations came out to order it because I was like, oh, it's like this artist we love with drug addiction stuff and horror and like rock bands. Well, those are all things I love. So I'm excited <laughs> about this. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I would give it, I'd give it an eight. I don't know about you guys. I went a little higher. I went 8.5. Ooh-wee. I'd give it a 7.5. so roman sounds like you didn't like it quite as much as us is that just like the art complaint or just not that compelling Um, or i'm not i'm intrigued i mean i I think if it wasn't for the um weird shit in the jungle and this 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 writer that he's the lead singer i think is trying to kind of pursue or emulate Mm -hmm. thinks he has like secrets to the meaning of it all if it wasn't for that element i don't know if i'd be that into it right but I, I love that element and the the oh man the creepy the creepy manifestations of his addiction. That's I mean that's awful, but it's very cool. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for stories about rock stars. You know, love yeah. them, love it, love <laughs> them. Uh, so eight point five for me. So do, it do you think like, this yeah. is um, any at least so far? Do you think this has any like definite parallels to real rock stars, or is it just too generalized so far? Not that I can tell, but I, I don't have a huge knowledge of the whole thing but it's that uh, one rock guy who is on heroin and oh. is kind of a dick to his bandmates yeah <laughs> so all of all of musicians all of music <laughs> uh, but again idw i love it uh we're gonna keep shining a light on this uh cormac dude uh, alex mccormack as often as we can um i finished the issue and i went back today and kind of reread the first couple of pages and those first couple of pages when once you've known what's going on um, are really interesting and, and gross and just like the his heroin needle scars have the millipedes coming out of them and stuff like yeah it's, it's a really gross manifestation i i dig it yeah scary uh-huh. stuff yeah Django, you gotta kick heroin bud uh kick it to the curb yeah he doesn't I'm want gonna, to i'm He's gonna switch gonna switch kick what that. i'm gonna kick. switch to emergency uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> kick that rock for mercy is rock is that right is that what heroin is called rock I don't totally. Think so we're not. All right, guys. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's get into this question from Judd Morse from uh, mid December. Sorry, Judd. Howdy, boys. Greetings from mostly sunny California. I'm a little behind on all my podcasts, but I just got to the latest episode where Will suggested you give your top three favorites and then Django messed it all up. Great minds <laughs> think alike, Will. I've been wanting to pitch the idea that you guys should do a whole ass NCAA style bracket. You could do single issues, runs, or graphic novels and argue out your favorites until a final victor emerges. I'd love to hear some heated debates, a la the Besties video game podcast, which I listen to, as to why Nightwing would beat out Crimson Cage or vice versa, or if anything is better than the 2022 Juggernaut human target. Is a comic bracket niche? Yes. Will it take way too long to put together? Probably. But would it be rad? (laughs) Absolutely. Anyway, hope you all have happy holidays. Thanks for sending me awesome books. For those of you listeners that don't know, the Comics Place can mail you your polls. Judd, that's an awesome idea, and I think it's what we're going to do for episode 300. I'm going to make out a bracket, and we're going to fucking argue, you know, I'll make it out, probably like 16 things. Um, I think the big question is going to be, do you want to be creators? Do you want to be books? Like books of the last two years? Probably books. Man, if we're going to do books, like how many books have I given an eight? How can I decide which eight is better than another eight? Are we going to have to go panel by panel? 
No, that's the point. You have panel to have a conversation. Give... No, you have to have a conversation with somebody, Django, and you oh, have to God. share opinions and their empathy concede. involved. <laughs> no, we know you well enough to not do that. <laughs> we haven't. We haven't involved empathy in anything that you're involved in in a long time. Uh, although last week's episode with Colette uh, was very empathetic, so you know, huh. take what you can get. Man, I was hoping to be on episode 300, but it sounds like it's uh, going to be you boys and Colette. No, <laughs> although it would be awesome to have Colette on. I think that we'll talk to Colette and see if we can get her on board because uh, we'd yeah. love to have her. Um, so before we go into another kind of obscure title, I want to talk to Roman about Silver Surfer Ghostlight. The next great superhero saga starts here. This is written by John Jennings with art by Valentin Delandro, colors by Matt Mila. I read this specifically because it was a low week of books for Jeff, and I thought there's a good chance Roman was going to read it. And the whole time I was reading it, I was like, is Ghostlight a character that existed? And by the end of this issue, I think no. No, he wasn't. This is all totally brand new. Yep. Because the final page well, is like him being like, who dares to serve the final resting place of Al Harper, hero and trusted friend of the Silver Surfer. So this is a new guy. Okay. Well, I should say Al Harper. No, that's not a new character, but Ghostlight is. Okay. Okay. Um, well, Roman, do you want to kick this conversation off as our resident Marvel historian and comic historian? Sure. Um, this it's very interesting because this is most of this issue Silver Surfer doesn't appear. Um, right, it's the story of this family that's moved to a new town, and um, the daughter, I think the oldest daughter, is having trouble adjusting, and she misses her friends and all the usual stuff. And it just establishes who this family is. Um, and I'm sorry, I forgot the main character's name, but her relationship with her grandmother and stuff. And at one point. Her and her grandma are talking about, well, she's telling her grandma about this dream she keeps having where this person, she falls into the wood and he's glowing with this ghost light kind of thing. Um, and she doesn't know who he is. None of that. And then has some stuff with her brother and her and her brother go out exploring the woods and find this kind of prepper style bunker um, out on the property they're living on and some cool Kirby type guns. And they get into some stuff and accidentally set off a flare that's that the Silver Surfer sees up in space. So he comes zooming down to Earth and he's pissed because he starts asking him, well, you know, who, dister- who dares disturb the, the grave of my friend Al Harper, which I thought was awesome because Al Harper, you know, I like Silver Surfer number five, I think, 1968. Uh, the Surfer befriended this kindly old old man, black man, and they become buds. And then, and I forget what, how exactly, I haven't read the reprint in a long time, but his friend Al gets killed at the end of the story or maybe sacrifices himself to save the earth, but nobody knows it except for the Silver Surfer. And at the end of that story, the Surfer sets up like this eternal flame, basically, cue the song, Eternal Flame, oh. um, to mark Al's gravesite. And now they've these kids have accidentally disturbed that gravesite and turns out Al was their grandfather or their uncle, something like that. They're related to Al. Yeah, it's the girl's and, uncle, I believe. Girl's uncle, or the boy's yeah. uncle, anyway. Yeah. And and spoilers, people, spoilers. But Al kind of burst forth from his grave at the end, and he's got this green glowing light, and he's conscious again, and doesn't know what's ha- what the hell's happening. And and Surfer shows up, and he's like, "What'd you guys do to my friend?" To be continued. But I thought that was so cool using a you know classic Silver Surfer story that's older than I am. Um, to uh, and revisiting that and bringing back the character supposedly that was gone. I, so I did a little recon on this of this author John Jennings, and yeah. it's it's cool. So he did the Kindred adaptation for graphic novels that uh, oh. the Octavia Butler book, um, also like Parable of the Sower. He's a person of color. Hmm. Um, After the Rain, but he also did a book called. He's a part of a, a collective with somebody called Black Kirby. And uh, they did a book called In Search of the Mother Box. And it's uh, John Ooh. Jennings and Stacey Robinson. And they kind of did an Afro-futurist take on uh, all of Kirby's stuff. So when you said the Kirby guns, cool. I didn't even realize that when I was flipping through. But you're right. There's a strong Kirby influence. And clearly, they're really, really into it. This has the trappings of like an author turned comic writer. Like it's very verbose, which is fine. Because I thought that the the amount of text there was was like it took me two sittings to finish but it wasn't laborious to get through and i really liked the way that the author i think more so than many comics allowed you to understand and know the whole family 
and the dynamics within this family that moves here, like the grandma and the girl and the parents um, included a lot of text that maybe a lot of comics wouldn't include to kind of, you know, like a little bit more book like in that regard, like bits of conversation and stuff. But uh, I, yeah, I, I found the writing much more compelling than I thought I was going to, especially upon flipping through it. And then I really liked the art by Valentine Delandro. It's um, gosh, and Roman, who can you compare it to anybody? I'm trying to, I'm struggling to think of who it reminds me of. Kind of um, the dude that did Outcast uh, as a seta, who's doing the flashback art in the current Punisher book. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. Chunky inks, not highly, highly detailed, kind of cartoony, but not like cartoony. Is very realistic as well. But um, but I like the art. I like the writing a lot. But uh, yeah, I, I really. I actually found myself much more drawn to these characters by the end of this issue than I thought I was going to be. Yeah. And I did too. At first glance um, on Tuesday morning, just a, a quick glance. I thought, well, I don't know. Um, where's the surfer. Where's the surfer. I know. Um, I flipped through the whole issue. But, I was like, there's like no surfer in this book. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was a very good read. Very compelling. I like, yeah, I like the art too. And it did remind me of, um, I forget the, the, the artist in a weird way. There's elements of the artists on, um, unbeatable squirrel girl I oh thought. yeah maybe, yeah maybe it's more the colors than the art i'm not sure but yeah it's like a, it's very flat you know in, in that way intentionally yeah flat. more more realistic than that um and i really like the character i love the relationship between her and her little brother and it's cool the little brother has little details like he is a big fan of the blues and jazz may, maybe some jazz and, yeah and he you know, knows all like this and giant steps by one of my favorite jazz yeah 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 and his older sister has no idea even who john coltrane is right he's, he's so disgusted at that <laughs> also um, the full page that is devoted to three horizontal panels of the surfer zooming towards earth Django, look at this i'm just gonna flash at you it's it's a great page oh, like, oh yeah that's cool it it just like zooms in in this wonderful way you can feel the the speed and velocity of the surfer like i yeah i love it and i'm, I'm excited to you know i'm not sure if his old friend is going to come back and be ghost Lighter, if one of these two kids is going to kind of become this entity but i'm excited to learn more about it yeah i am too much more so than i was just from the cover, I thought, well, I kind of obligatorily read it because it's Silver Surfer. I know, me too. Picked, or yeah. picked it up because it's Silver Surfer. I was like, well, this probably like the last Surfer series probably isn't going to be very, very great, but it's great so far. Yeah, we got Silver Surfer Black, and uh, and then that Al or sorry, the Dan Slot series. So we've had actually, yeah, the last well, decade was, we've had some good Surfer stuff, but maybe maybe it was a one shot. There was a one shot with the Surfer after Silver Surfer Black that wasn't very good. Yeah, but there was also that incredible one shot with Andre Araujo art where he like mm -hmm. finds this planet and there's like music. It's like, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, yeah, that. we've gotten some bad surfer and some good surfer, but he's one of my characters, even though I've never, I guess, even as a child, I had not read Fantastic Silver Surfer comics. He is just such an iconic looking character. He fascinates the imagination like he um there's a lot of people who love the Silver Surfer who've never read good Silver Surfer comics. So I love I love getting the opportunity to read a new one. That original run of 18 issues or whatever from the 60s. The Bushima. Yeah, his very first series. Yeah. The one that the series introduced him. The famous cover. That That's, yeah. Those are some great issues, especially like the first, I don't know, eight. We had that first issue when I was a little kid. And my brother and I both read it. And we said, this sucks. And we gave it to our three-year-old sister <laughs> who destroyed it. It's crazy because he's such an awesome character, but his origin and the concept of that character, he's not like overtly a good guy, you know, like yeah. he's he's a sacrifice to save his planet to then go and find other plans for Galactus to destroy. Like, I think he looks awesome. But when you're a kid, you're like, OK, well, I don't know. I need some black and white good, bad duality. And he doesn't have that, which um, makes sense because he's the Kirby creation. So he's supposed to be um, kind of in the middle, but he's sort of cursed with empathy sometimes right yeah so something you can't relate to at all uh yeah. roman what was your score for uh, it <laughs> gritty, um, gritty. <laughs> I, I give it an eight and a half oh nice i gave it a 7.5 <clears throat> i'm actually gonna bump it up to an eight because going through it again actually i really liked it and i it was good it's a good comic um roman or jingo do you guys have anything to talk about before we get into the kind of other ones we've got any any ones maybe i haven't read or anything i I read I read something on my trip that I'm surprised nobody told me was good. Um, surprised you guys aren't reading it. It's the Nightwing volumes one and two by Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor, okay. <laughs> you guys should yeah, check out this Tom be, Taylor guy. He can be real hit and miss with me. So pretty good. I I plowed through those on airplanes. Usually I sleep on airplanes, but I read two hardcovers instead, and uh, 
Did you like Holy it? Holy shit, Nightwing's a good comic. Dude, you liked it? I can't wait for the next hardcover to come out. I'm surprised they're doing these these hardcover graphic novels instead of single issues. I love that, and I love the joke, but I do have a genuine question. Are you going to be reading it an issue? This is- uh, <clears throat> that depends on whether or not we have the issues that follow the, uh, the second we hardcover. We probably like do. I don't think anything up first appearance has happened. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind catching up and probably keeping up. Um, I'm looking forward to issue 100 with all those classic Daredevil or sorry. Uh, Nightwing. What's artists. his name? Nightwing. Nightwing yeah. artists yeah. like Scott McDaniel, who also drew Daredevil, which is oh. why I said that in my Alka-Seltzer addled brain that you guys are dealing with right now. Well, dude, I'm very, very glad that you read that book because uh, it's one that we all love. It's like for me, uh, it's lonely at the center of the earth. I keep being like recommending it to people and selling it to people at the comic shop and I haven't read it yet, but I'm just like, well, everyone that I know that I trust that's read <laughs> this says this is the best thing in the entire world. So um, did you, yeah. do you remember what my answer to the question last week of what's the one book we want Django to read was? Well, your first one was Nightwing. No. Yeah. You made a joke that it would be Nightwing. Well, I mean, everyone's. Um, and then you said the, uh, that Punisher run that, that I really want you to read. For. Yeah. Is, Rick, is, it, is it the Rick Remender or no, the Rucka. Rucka? The Rucka Punisher. Rucka yeah. and Chiquetto. I don't know how we don't have those in the shop. I've never really seen them come through and I've never seen collections yeah. either. Uh, like we used to have a couple issues and I think we sold them in the old store. But yeah, it, it confuses me that I haven't had any luck tracking those down. It's because it's really good. No one will get rid of it. <clears throat> Must be. Uh, what do you give that Nightwing book, Django? 10.0, baby. Really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You're just a living boner. I love it. Yeah, man. That fucking like, okay. I do have one problem with it. though. Yeah. Yeah. What are you guys are heartless? All right. All right. No, so far I don't care about heartless, but I'm, I'm curious to see how he ties into everything. Cause he's clearly got some history and you don't and like the Tom he's got a sister. No, no, that didn't bother me. I thought all it was right, kind of cheesy because, because also didn't daredevil have a sister all of a sudden or Spidey had a sister all of a sudden about the same time that issue came out. And I, I was kind of, I wasn't super impressed with it, but I don't think I read the next issue, which kind of clarified that. But no, it was um, so at some point, Dick has inherited all this money from Alfred and he's Alfred. using it to do good things on Alfred's behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says there are no good billionaires. But fucking Alfred was a billionaire not doing anything with that fucking money. Why didn't he give Dick that money before he died? He thought he was the he was the middleman, man. That's not his money. He was uh, he was saying this is for other people. Well, yeah, but so why not give it to Dick to do something good with now? Yeah, you're right. That's a good. That's a good point. But um, I do like that. Like clearly, a conceit make Alfred of this. A bad guy. Alfred is a wonderful man. Um, but clearly, one of the conceits of this story is like the that response to like everyone complaining. I have an original thought. Why doesn't Batman do something yeah. good with his money? Like this is clearly like, all right, let's get those fucking idiots <laughs> to shut up and like tell yeah. a story like again about one of these people doing that with their money. But it's a very socially conscious comic and it is not not heavy handed with it, just very confident about it, but not not beating you over the head with it. And Go like ahead. Superman, Son of Kal-El is a very socially conscious comic in a different yeah. way as well. Like he he really yeah. is doing socially conscious conscious comics that are really well written so yeah tom taylor good lord man you're... and mentor mentee relationships yeah his, like that's, his that's his whole thing stuff is so but even his buddy buddy like like the way he builds up uh nightwing and john kent's yep. relationship with the uh, lollipops and everything like that's that's not father son it's almost peer-to-peer at this point i don't know we don't have to talk about this comic that came out a year and a half ago but uh i i enjoyed it very much um roman do you have anything in your stack you read this week that is worth talking about that maybe we all haven't read um i don't know how much you finished jerusalem this week oh alan moore's jerusalem you were both talking at the same time what happened what happened nothing okay his books and his books intimidate me even though i love alan moore comics i've his books i'm scared it's the girth the voice yeah and voice of the fire the first i don't know X number of chapters is written in like Alan Moore's imagine imagining of what a a, a caveman would how he would communicate and that's how oh, it's written. So I guess it's really for, practice for crossed one hundred. Yeah, so I guess it's really hard to get into it first. Alpha. Um, I read Bloodline, Daughter of Blade, number one. Oh, how there's, was it? You know, there's not a whole lot I really feel like talking about. It was okay, and the most important thing is it introduces the fact that Blade has a daughter. <laughs> And now was that has... introduced somewhere where uh, somewhere else, or is that just now? Like, I... is there a movie going on or something, Django? You know about speculator stuff because you're kind of a closet speculator. Wasn't it? Was, was there something hinted about that in the 
Monsters of Madness or whatever that black and white Marvel HBO special was. Uh, Maybe not. No, that was the, just Bloodstone. Elsa Bloodstone. Yeah, that was. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know well, shit, Jeff. Yeah, what if I? Yeah, I, I don't know. Too much credit. I don't know. I should have looked it up before the podcast. Maybe she was introduced before, but I've never knew he had a daughter till this. All right, issue. Well, let's say she's new now. Yeah, yeah, and he's got a you know, and turns out he's got to reconnect with her and uh, kind of take her under his wing for some reason. I forget, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be Blade and his daughter killing vamps. Blade Is and his daughter, who uh, made her first appearance in Free Comic Book Day 2022 Avengers slash X Men number one. Nice. I was just oh. saying, everybody. I got a quick. All right. uh, I got a quick message from Jango here. He just said before the debut of her miniseries, Brielle Brooks made her first appearance in Free Comic Book Day 2022 Avengers X Men number one. So that's for you guys. Wow. From Django via me. You can Let choose me... choose between those, Andrew. Don't I don't even remember <laughs> no, do that Free Comic Book Day comic. Is she a vampire, Roman? Not to not to step on Jeff's question, which was um, is actually, she a vampire? Can, sorry, Roman? sorry, sorry, Roman. Quick question. <laughs> Can you disregard what Django said? Because it's always garbage and just answer me if she's a vampire or not. You know, we don't know yet, but she seems like she's got some vampirish abilities, vampiric abilities inherited from her dad. Ooh, maybe. Okay. So that'll be part of the mystery of this series. Hey, Roman, um, before we wrap that and you give it your score, would you mind uh, just commenting on the fact that today, the day of recording, February 4th, is Alice Cooper's birthday? <gasps> it is i didn't know that oh my god that's happening right now today alice cooper wow is he 74 he was born on i'll pull the window back up oh don't make me do math <laughs> 48 58 68 78 89 88 08 18 he is 75 Holy wow shit roman <laughs> it's older than my dad <laughs> he is 75 holy crap that's Damn. wild Age that is yeah that is crazy. And, he, and he's still out there. I mean, I saw an ad on the, the Strangers um, blog, whatever, for their daily morning blog about news. I saw an ad that him and Rob Zombie in Ministry, and I think one more band. Ooh, I like Ministry. Is playing at the, um, not the Gorge, the amphitheater down in Auburn. Marymore? I don't Marymore know. The, the, yeah, it's Marymore. That's awesome, dude. Well, it has amphitheater in the title, though. It's not Marymore, but it's near Auburn. It's, it's Marymore. Oh, okay. It, Maybe they changed the name since yeah. I was there in the 90s. I don't know. Yeah. Back um, back when he was only 44. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, the Marymore Amphitheater. I want to go to that. I want to see yeah. ministry. Yeah, he's still out there doing his thing at 75. Dude, let's go see that show together. Uh, what was your score right. for this book that doesn't oh. have anything to do with uh, Alice Cooper? Oh, yeah. It'd give a nine if it had Alice Cooper in it. Fighting vampires? As it or be- stands. Or being a vampire? Uh I'd give it a seven. Ooh. So, so no that's, a, that's a two-point bump, Roman, and you still haven't listened to The Great Malenko by the Insane Clown Posse, which features Alice Cooper. I'm what? Disappointed. I'm oh disappointed. Gosh. I've told well, you this on the podcast on like four times. You, you have told me. Just I on just one track. I just always blank it out because I hate Insane Clown Posse. I think I he's on the Alice first Cooper. track. He does a voiceover on the very first track. Do you, you guys remember like, when we just used to have juggalos out sort of outside of our shop oh, and not so people nice. smoking fentanyl? <laughs> yeah, those were the days. It's crazy because apparently, like, I was talking <clears> my sister in the medical industry, and yeah, like fentanyl is the only thing people can get because no other painkillers are available right now. Like, you can't just there's nothing else, which is why there's been such an uptick in fentanyl oh, use. Oh wow. Um, hmm. What a crazy bummer. We had today we had a guy kick our sign over. It's a guy nice. that scares me, Jeff. He kicked oh. our sign over and then he picked it back up and set it up again and walked away. Ah, mm. <laughs> he's a conscientious nutball. I think he's got a better disposition than we think. Uh, he yeah, I've never talked to him other than to tell him no, I don't have money after he like looked up from his tinfoil, but when I asked like, him to move away me. from his tinfoil, I was like, "Hey guys, we got to have you move along." And they were like, oh, "Okay." And they yeah. just like, got up and left. Yeah, I hope he's I hope he's nicer than he looks because yeah. I I don't get the tights for most people, but he gives me the tights. Is the tights the reference to the fact that he's almost never wearing pants? He's always no, it just just makes all my all my sphincters tight. My eyes get know. little. My butthole gets sharpened. You know, you do have a sharp butthole. Did I tell you? Okay, mm. since we since we're we got to get back into our flow. Did I tell you guys that the story about when my dad got asked to be in a a band by the guy that created Kiss? No. He was in a band um, in the 70s, just before Kiss, um, and 
he was in like some some band and they had a meeting with this big producer guy and he told them that what he was really looking for was a group willing to dress up and put makeup on and they were all like no man it's all about the music and then like three years later kiss came on the scene <laughs> but and then like this guy put kiss together and and you know pushed them in makeup and stuff wow that was why bob dylan but, did all of the makeup for the uh rolling the thunder rolling thunder review, thunder review. yeah can you <laughs> like my dad could have been in kiss. kiss or kiss could have been you know uh, something as as big as my dad's band ever got at the time who knows wow but the guy who put it together wasn't like it wasn't one of the musicians themselves it wasn't paul stanley or something no it was it was like you know the promoter or whatever hmm. that's that's the legend anyway i don't know the true history of kiss or anything could could just be a, a legend in in the spencer born pantheon but every time that comes up i i think how funny it would be to have grown up with a dad in kiss <laughs> who was also my dad which just doesn't work in my brain at all he smoked enough weed right yeah yeah he could have he's rory danger and the danger dangers Mm. that's the next best thing to kiss well i mean the rolling thunder review is and then rory danger yeah yeah did you not yet sorry i will though you gotta okay okay all right before before okay okay before before we uh move to a book that we've all read i just want to talk briefly about the finale of dark web this is written by zeb wells adam kuwert back on the art after the alpha issue this is the omega issue this is the end of dark web which was crossing over between mostly spider-man and venom but had gold goblin and ms marvel and some other issues in it as well um you know, we've got uh, New York is still under siege from Limbo, Hell, and from Ben Riley, who's now King Chasm, working with Madeline Pryor. So we've got the X-Men and Spider-Man fighting against him. And and I thought it was the whole thing was kind of anticlimactic. And I was a little confused by just sort of the comedic nature <clears throat> with which all of the Limbo Hellions acted within it was it was so much of this was almost a comedy so the tone i thought was kind of all over the place i do really like the ben riley is a bad dude thing but it seems like with the ending of this event the main thing that's set up is that now um limbo has an embassy in new york and on that final page with the embassy drawn in new york it looks very much like a trad Moore drawing um but it it Roman, what did you think? I guess anticlimactic <laughs> is how I would boil the whole thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I I read it on Tuesday during a break at the shop, and and I and I said to Sean afterwards, I can't believe it. So the whole point of this dark web was so that we can have Limbo can have an embassy in New York, and now Maddie is on good terms with the X Men. Why the hell does Limbo need an embassy in New York? I mean, come on, it's just silly. And it, it is. It's just silly. And the whole, t- I think this event would have been much better if it had been played more seriously um, because the comedic nature of this kind of hellish world that we were spun into for a day in New York uh, just, I think, belittled the entire, all of the drama and, uh, you know, stress of the situation it was like oh we got this funny mailbox that's talking that said they were cute you know like i love that the final thing was this cute joke about the mailbox still wanting mail but yeah yeah and i like and i actually would like if the whatever the demon is that the big goofy demon in a spider-man outfit that's his name yeah yeah his name is parker backwards rec rap yeah 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 i like him he was cool that was like my favorite thing out of the entire dark web crossovers um, but yeah, and I thought it was a little too perfunctory how all of a sudden after all these decades that Madeline's been mad at the X-Men, right? her and Jean Grey have a talk over a few pages and all's forgiven and they're buds now. It's like, what? And I, th- and I think that we like belittled Ben Riley in this series because they made him like really evil for a little bit. And I really yeah. liked that. But then it was all like comedic jokes about bad guys and he's a bad guy and it's all goofy. And um, yeah, I think I they guess... had an opportunity to make a really serious change to that character. Yeah, they really could have. And, and really played up on the, you know, evil Peter Parker. But it, wow, it kind of did. That occurs to me now. It kind of did feel like, you know, Spider-Man 3 with evil, evil Peter, like dancing down the sidewalk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now and now Ben Riley is just he's trapped in limbo now and being punished until, you know, the next time they drag him out for some other crossover. Right. And I would have much preferred if they made him a, a like an actually menacing villain 
um, because now he's just kind of relegated to this gray zone of his character. Yeah. So I wasn't very impressed with the end of it. The art wasn't spectacular either, which I was hoping it was going to be because Andy Kubert doing the second half of this thing and um, could have been much shorter. Felt a little like a cash grab. I gave it a 7.0. I, yeah, I'd agree with that. Seven. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Weird. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I might even go as low as 6.5. Yeah. I like Zeb Wells and I really liked this Spider-Man run, but this felt like a real uh, low point in the run so far. So I think it's funny that you guys like you said that it, it just felt stupid by the end. But when Jeff was giving the description of just the absolute comic book mayhem of every character's arc when he was first telling the, the plot, that is as stupid as a grown up story could possibly get. And then it all leads up to this other thing that is a different kind of stupid, you know? It was a, it was a type of stupid for sure. Yeah, oh, but like two different types. It sounds like. Yeah, it was <laughs> like um, big bombastic dumb comic stuff, and then with a dumb inconsequential resolution. I guess it does. Hey, Django, where do you want to take us before we hit our final book? I got nowhere else to go except. Well, then let's I, hit our I final finished, book. I finished Sandman Volume Two. You guys read Sandman? That was pretty good. Is that uh, that's that TV show, right? Yeah. Yeah, based on the TV show. Okay, well, that sounds It's good. on Netflix. Based on the TV show that's only on your computer. Okay, I'm into that. Um, what do you guys want to talk about? Blood Tree from Blood Image Tree. Comics from the Mad Ghost imprint of Image. I was on, I'm was i still unclear about what this Mad Ghost imprint is. Why don't, why don't you guys talk about this? And I'll see if I can find a little bit about it. <clears throat> yeah, so this is uh, Peter J. Tomasi writing it and Maxim Simic doing the art. Um, and it's just kind of a procedural detective story so far about uh, uh, like people with angel wings sewn onto their bodies falling or being thrown from great heights and this bummed out detective uh, trying to solve the mystery and and finding the same note blood begets blood at uh, each crime scene um, the art is really interesting I think it's uh, I think it's really good it's got kind of a Kyle Starks vibe to me and uh, but with kind of more visceral violence. Um, I'm happy to see Peter Tomasi doing something violent and scary rather than the the kind of wholesome feel-good stuff that we've seen him do with DC and the Super Sons, which I also enjoyed a lot, but I like seeing these these chops too. What do you think, Roman? I I like procedurals, um, so I'm into that. I, was, I like the art fine. I mean, I wish it was a little, I don't know, less less uh it's a little too cartoony for me and that always pulls me out of a serious book um because this is a very serious book and there's something weird going on with these people with that have you know with angel wings so i'm curious about the mystery um flipping it's funny because flipping through this i mean i only read this within the last few days and i'd forgotten a bunch of this already so i don't know what that says about either my brain or <laughs> or the comic i don't know um i'm refreshing my memory as we go i don't have a ton of information about what mad ghost imprint is i guess like the big question i want answered is is this all a shared universe or are they very separate things because we have geiger so far then we have junkyard joe and then this is the third book with the mad ghost imprint and it seems like it's a totally different universe than the junkyard yeah. joe geiger stuff Does, I it do... doesn't seem related to me either and the geiger and junkyard joe seem so tangentially related yeah time, i, I you know? do like the idea of jeff johns kind of creatively having an oversight of a corner of comics because i did think that mm. this was a high caliber comic i didn't necessarily love it but i thought the art was really good actually roman i would kind of put it in that Paul as a set a kind of silver surfer artist corner, but then with like a hint of like Rob Guillory, which I think adds to that cartoonish effect that you were talking about, you know, like mm -hmm. it, cause it is cartoonishy, um, but then has this like chunky inky thing going on. It's kind of heavy lines, um, but some nice stuff to the shot of like the police officer handing his card where it breaks the panel gutter and like really it has some Kirby influence there. Um, I did like the murder mystery stuff. I like the idea of these angels falling from the sky. Like, are they suicides? Are they murders? Are they mm -hmm. actual angels? And then, like, we get a thing in the middle here where it kind of shows that, no, it is a murder. We're doing this. I think it has that same complaint even more so than 
uh, Breath of Shadows in that I think that it struggled with the characters art looking pretty similar. Like I, I was like the murderer scene that we get to see him looks a lot like our main character. And then we know it's not our main character, like not super versatile character designs, but I did. I did like it. It's like a it's like a David Fincher meets the de- departed type vibe. Yeah, um, I, I, I did like it. Uh, I will read the next one, but yeah. And I do like Tomasi, and I, I think that your point is very well made, Django. Like, he's been doing a lot of DC stuff. He did a Batman mm-hmm. and Robin run I love, and he did the Superman run where they went on, like, the family vacation and did a lot of fun stuff that was really good. Yeah. Super Sons as well, and this is incredibly different than that. But I did think it was a good comic. I did like the art, and I liked the mystery of it. But by the end of it, like I was very I think that the end of this issue was very ambiguous, right? Like we got this cop who's got a wife and a child. I really liked the relationship that was explored with the wife and the husband. I thought that was well developed and I really cared for both of them. They have this kid who keeps having fish die. And the kind of the cliffhanger is that like he's burying another fish. Yeah. And it seems like it means more than I was able to understand it to make. If there was one weak part in the scripting, I didn't believe that that kid was any specific age. He seemed to kind of bounce between ages in the art and in the, in his dialogue. Uh, Like what six year old goes and buries fish in the backyard at one in the morning or whatever. Yeah. And also looks like that or talks like usually he's really good at nailing kids dialogue and and attitudes. uh, And this one just didn't quite work for me. Yeah. And I think that speaks kind of the ambiguity of the art. So yeah. I, I would agree there. Uh, I personally gave this one 8.0. I did like it a pretty good amount. Eight for me also. I'd give it a 7.5. Hell yeah. Pretty, pretty lockstep. Um, well, before we get out of here, everybody, is there anything else we need to cover? Um, I got, I got nothing else. No, I mean, you're sick. You're just, you've been a husk. I'm embarrassed. My brain's leaking out of my ears. You. You, uh, I'm Roman, surprised you it anything? took me being sick for you to get there, bud. Oh, no, no. You're my buddy. <laughs> Roman, anything, anything? Jeff, no, I, I'm afraid I don't have anything now. Well, in that case, let's get out of here and get pumped up for our big 300th episode next week. What do you think? Yeah, next week, guaranteed. If you send us an email, please do. JeffTheComicsPlace.com. You could send us 100. You could send us 200. It won't be too many. We would love to have sure. as many as you can possibly give us. So if you send us one, send us another. If you haven't sent us one and you're at this point in the podcast... I fully expect you to do that. If I hear that you listen to this podcast and you didn't send us an email, oh, buddy, you're in trouble. Big, big tisk tisk. It's a big, big tisk kiss, tisk 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 tisk. Uh, Jeng, I'm so <laughs> glad to have you back. Uh, and then, yeah, I think next week we'll try and get Colette on here because that would be just the best thing. Because she's a teddy bear of a human being. Um, thanks for hanging out with us. I love you guys. I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Roman. What were you wondering, Roman? What, what were was you wondering? I wondering? I'm sick today. Okay, I, I can't wonder shit. What's your favorite nonfiction book that you've ever read? Ever read non? Oh, nonfiction. Oh wow. Um, by Hop on Pop. Oh does, come he on! He does love that book. He does. Love <laughs> That's that a book. great book. It's great. Um, such a simple lesson. Hmm. Oh, do boy. or don't hop on pop? <laughs> yeah. Um, the eternal question. Nonfiction. Nonfiction. Uh, well, right now, well, I'm gonna just default. It's not my favorite, but you know, um, I forgot the title. It's, nice. a movie. It's, a, it's, a, it's an upcoming movie with Brad Pitt and all these guys about the formation of the FBI. Um, it was tied into the the bullet train. Indigenous people having getting riches because they were on oil land back in the 20s. But then, of course, the U.S. government was like, fuck you. That's ours now. Um, yeah, ah, what is that? It's the movie coming up and it's a, it was a big popular best-selling uh, history book was really well written really good with uh, Brad Pitt ki- in it? Ki- ki- killers of the flower moon oh that sounds good yeah um well, it's really good I, it's very impressive i'm gonna default to my snl audio history and uh hmm. maybe the bob dylan maybe the bob dylan chronicles or i don't know uh the the one by our guy mark Lanigan. yeah like great. i don't oh. read a lot of nonfiction. i would the I only one i can I think read. of is the mark Lanigan book all I read at this point, this actual book is nonfiction. So, all right, boys, I got to go. I'm losing my shit here. Django's a mess. All right. We'll see you all next time. <laughs> Thank you. And we're excited for episode 300. Thank you for joining us for episode 302. See you next week. Bye. You, I hate that thing that everyone <laughs> does now where they say bye like that. I hate that. <laughs> bye. <laughs>